Toronto Rush and Ultimate fans, welcome to episode 8 of the Rush Report presented by TheForeCheck.com. You may have noticed that last week we did not have a show, and that was because I came down with a nasty bout of the flu, which rendered me essentially useless for a week. But I am back, feeling much, much better, and what do you know, it's spring. The Rush kick off their 2017 season in two weeks when they take on their rivals, the New York Empire, April 7th in the Big Apple. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat because today's show is a special one. On the very first episode of the Rush Report, we had Rush head coach Shooter Hasty on the show and I asked him about the Jaywalkers. And finally, on episode number eight, we have got the Jaywalkers on the show. Well, three out of the four. We have Jerry Marin, Jay Boychuk, and Ian McKenzie, whose name does have a silent J at the front, which I will ask him about later, and we're only missing JJ Edwards. Fellas, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Good. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, good. Thanks. Okay, so we heard Shooter's take on why you call yourselves the Jaywalkers, and he said it's because you guys came up together as rookies and were inseparable. You rode the bus together, ate together. Would you care to elaborate as to how the Jaywalkers came to be? Uh, that's kind of how I remember it. Um, and then I think what I remember is Mark Lloyd uh, kind of brought it to our attention and he came up with the idea of like coming up with a name for us. And uh, everyone kind of chimed in with their ideas and we eventually settled on the Jaywalkers. Now, there's a lot of guys on the team whose names start with the letter J. Why is this club so exclusive, guys? Um, I think it's more of a product of the fact that we're really good friends. So, you know, we hang out and hang out together and do everything together. And I mean, the club's no good if it's 20 people. So shooters <laughs> tend to tack on a J with, uh, anyone's name, despite what it actually starts with. Yeah. Which yeah. leads me into my question for Ian, uh, doesn't start with the J. Uh, there's a silent J apparently. Now, I read the reason behind this, but do you want to tell people who may not know why there's a silent J in front of your name? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of just to, so I can fit in. And at the start of the group, at the start of the group uh, I was trying to push for Ian, Ian and the Jaywalkers, but I don't think they were very happy about that. Uh, yeah. actually kind of had a, we kind of had a whole court case on one of the bus trips <laughs> to decide whether it should be Ian and the Jaywalkers or just the Jaywalkers, and uh, we settled on just the Jaywalkers. Yeah, that, that, was, that was never going to fly. No. <laughs> yeah, Ian and the Jaywalkers kind of sounds a bit like a, like a 90s boy band that didn't really um, get off the ground, so it's probably a good idea you guys just called the Jaywalkers. Yeah. Yeah. I think also uh, the weekend that we actually decided that the Jaywalkers were a thing we each did something during that road trip to decide that none of us were capable leaders. So it couldn't be anyone and the jaywalkers. It had to just be a collective, leaderless, aimless group. That makes sense. I, I see the logic in that for sure. <laughs> now, I've spoken at length on this show about how Guelph has become this hub for elite ultimate players. Now, Jerry, I know you went to the University of Guelph. So can you give us a little insight as to what makes the Royal City such an ultimate hotspot? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it really just comes down to the players that have come like before me. Uh, it really, actually, the the original elite player to come out of Guelph was Jeff Linquist. He, uh, or as we know him, Link on the Rush. But um, yeah, so he was one of the first guys who kind of established the program. But uh, when he was there, he didn't really have anyone else, like a second person in line, who could really 
carry the team very much. So it really, uh, it didn't become too much of a successful program until Cam Harris got there. So Cam was kind of the, uh, the guy who then became the, the patriarch of the system. And he, uh, I think he had a little bit of a hand in kind of getting some of the people to come, like uh, my brother Josh, um, Eamon Pinto, Andy Kubinek. Uh, those guys all kind of were coming into the sport at the same time. Uh, and I think it was just kind of everything happened at the right time. You had the right guys in the right situation. And uh, it just really catapulted the program into, uh, into success. And I think they've done a good job of kind of teaching the young guys who came along, like myself. Uh, when I came in, there was also a couple of other uh, Team Canada juniors, Nick Skrypek and Andrew Carezzi. So they uh, did a good job of kind of teaching us the ways of Guelph, uh, how things worked, uh, to work hard and all those good stuff. And, uh, yeah, it really rubbed off on us. So, Ian, you played your, you plied your ultimate trade with Grand Trunk, which is becoming, has been for a while, I guess, a premier training ground for ultimate players. How do you think your time with Grand Trunk, uh, how do you think it's helped you with your game? Uh, well, I mean, that was the first time I played uh, open or men's in any capacity besides uh, university. So before that, in Peterborough is where I'm from, uh, I've played mixed. And although they can, they're comparable games, you don't really uh, know how to play at a high level until you've played touring on an open team, uh, at least for the rush. And then once we played there, I played with Jay as well. And uh, that was kind of my first real look into what Toronto Ultimate is. And then from there, you know, going to, I think it was seven tournaments that year with all the guys, uh, I was really able to kind of learn the game at a uh, bit higher of a level than I was exposed to previously, which uh, led to, I guess, me making GOAT and Rush the following year. Nice. So is that sort of the the evolution or the steps that, that ultimate players take when they want to go pro? It's sort of Grand Trunk and then GOAT and then going into the AUDL? Is that sort of the, the loose blueprint, I guess you could say? Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure it's the same thing in other cities, but you kind of work your way up the totem pole. Right. So when I was, when I played at GT, there's a team below us and then obviously go above us. And even now, a lot of players are coming either from junior to the rush or playing GT for one year or two years and then working their way up through the system and then getting a shot at the higher levels. So, Jay, last season you had 125 D points and a 96% catching percentage, and you played 12 games, which is awesome. And so what are some of the next steps you hope to take this upcoming season with the Rush? Well, I guess first thing is to get over this injury that I've just recently got. Um, but with the Rush, I'm just hoping to play, play a bit more of a role in helping the team win games. Uh, the... The conference has gotten tougher with Philly's going to get better, New York's going to get better. Um, so at the same time, we're going to have to get a lot better too. And that comes from the depth players um, like myself and the other Jaywalkers. Um, we have to kind of just play a bigger role and, you know, get that get that extra D that we're going to need to win these games, uh, get that extra point, whatever it takes. Um, so, yeah, I just want to play a bit more of a role like that. Now, it's funny that you mentioned uh, the tougher conference because on the last episode, we had Evan Lepler, play-by-play uh, -play -play voice for the ADL on the show, and he mentioned that while he thinks the, the Rush are a strong team and contenders, that they're sort of going to be overtaken this year by the Empire and by Philly. 
How do you guys respond to something like that? Does that sort of light a, an extra fire under you guys, sort of being uh, pegged as a team that might not have what it takes to go all the way? Honestly, when Jerry first mentioned, uh, he'd listened to the podcast first and mentioned that Evan Leffler had come on to the Rush podcast and then praised the New York Empire and then going to eventually win the division, I think no one was particularly happy about that. And, you know, maybe up until now, we've had less competition in the division, but I think everyone realizes that it's not going to be quite as easy to do anything. And every game is up in the air. So I, I think there's a bit more. He did really light a fire under us and kind of made us realize, you know, that we can't just take every game for granted. And we actually have to put in a lot of work this year. You know, he, he was kind of being defensive, like he didn't necessarily want to sell us out. But he, yeah. uh, I think it was, it was pretty obvious that what his actual opinion was, like kind of hidden yeah. underneath the surface. Within minutes of that podcast coming up, I had a, a link to the our group chat. Let everybody know what had happened. (laughs) Nice. Okay, so now it's my favorite part of the show. And it's something that we call Five Questions With. And in this case, it's Five Questions With the Jaywalkers, minus JJ Edwards. So basically, it's super simple. I'll ask you guys five random questions. They could be sports-related. They could not be. And you can say the first thing that comes to your mind. If you don't feel like answering something, totally cool. But... I promise it's super fun. It's just a little game to get people to get to know you guys a little bit better and, you know, just have some fun with it. So uh, anyone can answer. And uh, so question number one, you guys ready? Yep. All right, cool. Okay, next question. Next question. Next question. So a report came out a couple days ago that NBA players are obsessed with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as their pregame meal. What is your go-to pregame meal? Boychuk, how about we start with you since you've been the quietest? Uh, go-to pregame. I was always a pasta guy, I guess, with all my sports growing up. Um, I, I mean, I used to religiously, before hockey, eat craft dinner, like an exact three hours before my game or something. <laughs> um, probably not the best idea. But yeah, I guess I'm stick with a pasta guy. Subway sometimes, actually. Um, but I don't have any crazy rituals anymore. Ian, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I also really like having pasta, you know, four, five hours before the game. And then leading up to the game, I always tend to try to have some sort of smoothie or shake or just that kind of thing to add the extra boost that I'm going to need for the game. All right. And Jerry, how about you? Are you a, a pasta guy as well? Uh, yeah, definitely a pasta, but, uh, sometimes you just got to go with something that's going to make you feel good. And I always know that my mom's chicken parm is going to get me feeling right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's delicious. So that, that, that would probably be my That's answer. a good choice. <laughs> okay, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, I think flying is a pretty good one. I think to just be able to fly anywhere you want on your own would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I think it's hard to go with anything other than flying. Yeah. It gives you, it's, it's, a, it's a great superpower, but it's also just very convenient. You would never maybe, have to worry about traffic again. You can maybe, if teleport, maybe if teleportation was, is considered a superpower, that would also be, <laughs> have a similar effect. You know, it's funny. I, I've asked this question a couple times to some of the guys on the show, and I think pretty much all of them 
have said that their superpower, if they were to have one, would be to teleport because of the Toronto traffic. So I totally say I was I was born and raised in Toronto, so I know what it's like. I live in Hamilton now, but I know what it's like. So teleportation and flying, I can see why you guys all go there. Yeah, that's kind of interesting if that would be a more prevalent response from people from Toronto. <laughs> all right, have you guys ever played a team that you genuinely did not like? You don't have to name specific players, but has there been a team either perennially since you've been playing or one year where you just like wanted to, you know, sort of kick them where it counts. hundred percent. Yeah. I would definitely yeah, no question. A lot of yeah. teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, namely, uh, we'll say we'll, we'll keep it within the ABL, the New York empire. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I've never played a game where I didn't badly want to beat them. <laughs> Yeah, to add more, just more fuel to that more fire fuel started by Evan. Yeah. He's created yeah. the, a monster the, here. The New York, the New York Toronto rivalry kind of goes. It's it's kind of started in the club scene with Goat and Pony. That's always been like, I would say Goat's biggest rival alongside with Ironside, but New York and now definitely with the AUDL. That's only like augmented the rivalry. I think every time that we square off, whether it's club or pro, it's we all know that all the marbles and all the bragging rights are on the line. Uh, At the same time, those are some of my favorite games just because of how bad you want to win and how the competitive spirit and everyone on the field. Yeah, yeah Everyone really brings a fire for those kind of those big games. Yeah. All right. So question number four. Out of the Jaywalkers, who is the worst dresser? <laughs> uh, not me. Yeah, I'm going to go with not me either. So I guess that leaves... Well, we can we can either sewer JJ when he's not here to defend himself, or <laughs> that's the easy way to go. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if easy either of us are like noticeably bad dressers, uh, but I, you know, I think I would have to give Ian and Jerry the uh, the title on better dresser. Oh, better dresser. Nice. Okay. Okay, what about the uh, the White Sox? It's like a running theme on the show ever since Shooter told me that <laughs> he's very anti-White Sox. You know, I really try to not wear White Sox uh, in front of Shooter anymore. Yeah, because yeah. he I mean, was... he, he makes a good point. They don't look very good. Yeah, That is true. And, and, so, and Adrian Yearwood said, said something similar. He said, I don't wear White Sox because I'm not an animal. And so <laughs> uh, it makes... I get it, you know, but... Man, Shooter was just so anti-White Sox, so now I try to yeah, bring it up every chance I get. Yeah, I've never thought about it that much until I've met Shooter. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I've never actually thought about it until he brought it up, and it stuck with me. That was, like, yeah. two months ago, right? Yeah, me, me too. Okay, <laughs> final question. Do you guys have any weird pregame rituals or superstitions? Because athletes are notorious for having, like, their very meticulous routines and, you know have to dress left to right or right yeah. to left and stuff like that um the one thing that i really don't like doing is wearing the jersey we're wearing during the game until the actual like right before the game okay like i don't like warming up in anything other than you know uh reversible or another long sleeve or something that's not the actual game jersey yeah i i used to be that kind of person like with my other sports growing up like I said, I used to have my meal at the exact time, and then I used to have a nap for the exact amount of time, whatever, before games and stuff. And then, uh, But for Ultimate, I, I wouldn't say so much. I actually do the same thing as Ian, where I definitely don't like wearing my jersey. It's more of like, a, I don't want to get it sweaty and stuff before we start the game. 
but yeah, not really anymore for Ultimate. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same as Jay, where like back when I used to play hockey growing up, I used to be pretty superstitious. I would always put exactly six ice cubes in my water bottles because that was my <laughs> number, six. But uh, since I've started playing Frisbee, I wouldn't say I really have any superstitions other than like during warm-up, I like to keep it pretty light and kind of joke around with everybody. Like I think me, Ian, and Jay like to kind of be next to each other when we're warming up just because we crack jokes and say stupid things all the time. So Yeah, and you guys can't like mix with anyone else, right? You guys are the jaywalkers. Exactly. <laughs> you can't taint the pool at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that brings us to the end of our interview. Guys, thank you so much for jumping on and uh, sharing some info with us. The season is literally around the corner. Uh, you guys do open up on the road, but you'll be home the end of April, which will be nice. So continued success in the off season and good luck with training and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys in action. Thanks for having us, that does it for this episode of The Rush Report presented by TheForeCheck.com. Thanks go out to The Jaywalkers, Jay Boychuk, Ian McKenzie, and Jerry Marin. I'm Tammy Allen. Thank you so much for listening. Well, you heard The Jaywalkers. That opening game against The Empire is going to be a good one. The Rush play their first home game of the 2017 season on April 29th against the Montreal Royal. You can get tickets to that and all Toronto Rush home games by visiting torontorush.com. Be sure to follow the team on Twitter at Toronto Rush and on Facebook at Toronto Rush Ultimate. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at The Forecheck. And of course, you can subscribe to The Rush Report on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. And please be sure to rate, review, and share. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone.